Welcome to Conversations with Cynthia. Cynthia Hyatt is a relationship expert, executive consultant, life management coach. Cynthia Hyatt uses her 30 years of experience as a licensed psychotherapist to now offer in-office or concierge services through executive life coaching, consulting, and image management in order to help you be your own best version. Cynthia Hyatt also specializes in speaking to groups worldwide about how to be successful in your relationships as well as artfully handling life's challenges. Find her online at CynthiaHyatt.com and make sure to follow her on Facebook and Instagram. Now, with today's fresh insight, Cynthia Hyatt. Well, welcome to the show. I'm Cynthia Hyatt, your host, and this is Conversations with Cynthia. And make sure that you can visit, you know, you visit the website at CynthiaHyatt.com and you can listen to the show on the line or you can download it, send it to your friends, whatever you'd like. We also have study guides that we have made for each show. So you can just contact us through the website and we can send you the study guide as well. So we have a special guest for our first segment today and then we will continue to talk about just this whole idea of what we are doing at this time, especially in Phoenix. And so we're going to be talking about carrying your cross. We're going to be talking about, you know, how well do you let someone help you? And so we're going so make sure that you stay with us through the whole show. But I really wanted to introduce this gentleman. His name is Michael Johnson, and he is the president of the Slavic Gospel Association. And it's quite an amazing uh, ministry that they have. And it's uh, nearly 90 years old, and it really partners with hundreds of missionaries, more than 6,000 evangelical churches across Russia and the former Soviet Union. And it has extensive grassroots network that gives, you know, this whole entire, this Slavic Gospel Association unparalleled access to real-time on-the-ground data that really allows for crucial aid to be distributed to the exact point of need. And these these countries are struggling tremendously. So he travels extensively in the, the uh, former Soviet Union and Israel, where SGA really helps Russian-speaking congregations. And he is truly a sought-out speaker, so we're very blessed to have him with us. And he's been featured on National Religious Broadcasters, Christian Leadership Alliance, Association for Gospel Rescue Missions, and, and many other conferences and churches. And so he this really this network of of 6000 or more evangelical churches in 10 countries across the Soviet Union they they distribute aid to the exact point of need and so this is in Russia Armenia Belarus Georgia uh i mean Turkey Turkish oh my gosh i can't even say the word i'm going to have to have michael help us with all these different countries the, the ukraine especially and so this is a you know a four thousand mile radius and with a population of about two hundred ninety million people. So the need is very very great, and so he's going to talk to us about some of the practical needs, and really what a Slavic person is and who started this. So Michael, thank you so much for being here today. We really appreciate you you coming and chatting with us about this. Well, thank you very much. It's a pleasure to talk to you today. Well, and you heard me just butcher some of the names of those countries. I, you know, yeah. Usually, yeah. I'm yeah. really good at that Turkmenistan, stuff. Tajikistan, <laughs> oh my Uzbekistan. Uh, yeah. I thought it took okay. me a while too. Yeah, by the I way. mean, I, I'm I'm burying <laughs> myself here. Okay, I usually yeah. <laughs> so That's I'm right. glad. Let's yeah. just move the show over to Michael. So thank you. 
Okay. Well, so tell us really what, what is really the most exciting thing for you and, and some of your greatest needs. Well, I, the, first of all, um, the thing that I have recognized uh, in the, with the onset of this virus throughout the world is that I believe that this is uh, the most significant opportunity for the proclamation of the gospel in modern times. Agreed. Because people are searching. Um, there's a great deal of uncertainty. Our foundations have been shaken to its core. Um, we're walking around uh, with the distinct possibility that we could walk into the Walmart, pick up the virus, and, uh, and pass away in the next two weeks. So people are really questioning um, their mortality and, uh, and ultimately where they're going to spend eternity. Exactly. And so, so there's a, just a tremendous opportunity to share the love of Christ with these people and help them to understand that the, the only true answer is in a relationship with Jesus Christ uh, based upon his finished work on the cross. Well, I so think, I think what, is, yes, what else is really, what people really need to understand is that the hardship that we are facing is mm-hmm. actually what would be for them like a wonderful sense of like thriving. And so they have okay. already been really struggling. And then to have the coronavirus come along as mm-hmm. well just doubles down on them. Oh, absolutely. Um, I, I, I just got a report from a pastor um, in, one of the, in one of the cities in Moscow. He says, in connection to the coronavirus, the government has declared a state of emergency and closed everything except food stores and pharmacies. Oh, People goodness. have no jobs, no means to survive. Besides this, the national currency has fallen significantly in price, while food prices have begun to rise sharply. Some wow. products have almost doubled in price. Many people are unable to purchase even the most essential items. We simply don't have enough money. And you're right. We have a safety net here in this country uh, uh, where they don't. If they lose their job, uh, if they lose, lose their means of income, many of them are out on the streets, and many of them just can't. They don't have enough money just to buy the, the basic necessities and the essentials. And what a so, terrible uh, feeling to not be able to take care of your family. It really is. It really is. And, and we're hearing story after story uh, from people that are coming in. We, we have an extensive, extensive work in, um, in state-run orphanages in those countries, and we have workers that go into those orphanages every week to minister to the children uh, with the collapse of the economy. Because, again, in Russia, their economy is based upon the price of oil, and with the crash of uh, the price of oil, uh, they're really struggling right now. And so a lot of the basic services, they've shut down the orphanages and the children's homes. So many of these kids who are social orphans, which means that they were taken out of their home because of dysfunction, are being placed back into those homes, and they're just, uh, it's a really difficult situation. Oh, my goodness. So for us, you know, we have this network of churches, roughly 6,350 churches throughout the 10 countries of the former Soviet Union. And so what we're trying to do with this ministry is with this program that we've created called Christ Over COVID, Much Prayer, Much Power, is to get people praying for us. But also, um, we're trying to raise funds so that we can equip them with uh, resources to meet the physical needs of these people, food, medicine, uh, and basic um, necessities, right, because you were, so they can survive. Right. You were saying that about $10 can provide a local church with a bag yeah. of food and actually sustain a typical family for a week. Correct. Yeah. Yes. And we have, since... Since uh, the onset of the virus, and because they're about three weeks behind us in terms okay. of the onset, so it hasn't been that long, 
But we've been able to distribute uh, up until at this point about 425,000 uh, individual meals uh, through our church network, and that's just going to continue to grow exponentially. So, uh, so the churches, you know, when you think about Russia and the former Soviet Union, the wall came down a little over 30 years ago, and uh, for the years before that, the churches, uh, you know, they were it was atheist communism. They weren't allowed it to exist for the most part. And when the wall came down, you know, the Christians there recognized the fact that this was their opportunity to reach their nations for Christ. And so they're very passionate about it. They're very passionate in evangelizing and sharing the love of God. And what we're trying to do is to provide them with resources so that they can meet the needs of more people. And it's just a wonderful relationship that we have with them. We're getting wonderful reports back, and uh, we're seeing God work in mighty ways. But there's a lot of work to be done. So how can people donate if they would like to help support this? Well, we have a, a website. Our website is sga.org, and um, and this specific this specific initiative would be sga.org slash COVID, okay. and uh, you can come to that site. And the first thing, we would love people uh, to uh, sign up to receive the daily prayer requests and updates, because we're getting stories um, every all day long about what's happening over there. So we want to provide an update, and we have a bit of a devotional, and we have some specific prayer requests that people can pray with us through during this very difficult time. And this is going to last for quite some time because of the economic uh, damages that are taking place. But I just want to share a couple things with you. One, um, you just, these people, they just, you know, they just they have a passion for sharing sharing Christ with people. Because there's one guy that one of our missionary pastors we sponsor, and he, um, you know, he also has another job. He drives an ambulance. So um, he prayed for an opportunity that God could use him, and so he's now the main ambulance driver to the hospital from his village, and that's an hour drive. Oh, wow. And so he's driving COVID patients to the village, excuse me, to the hospital. So he says, eh, three days ago, during the transportation of a patient to the hospital, I witnessed to a man about Christ during our hour-long journey. Before reaching the destination, the sick person prayed to the Lord and said that he was no longer afraid of anything. We pray for this person that he would be saved both physically and spiritually. They always use every opportunity to um, uh, to uh, to share the love of Christ with people, and, and again, they're mm. very passionate about it. That that is amazing. Um, yeah, it is amazing. It really is. And and uh, so you know, we have ministry to orphans. We have ministry to widows. And uh, just another quick example here. Um, one of the church workers went into the home of uh, Maria and Constantine. And Maria, she's about 80 years old, and uh, they would call her a babushka there. Mm. And uh, <laughs> she's, a, she's a believer, and her husband, Con- Constantine, isn't. And so they just use that as an opportunity to go in and build relationships and to drop food off. And, and so she simply said uh, they were so happy to have a visitor after I had shared the Lord's Supper with Maria. I had an opportunity to spend time talking to Constantine. He spoke about God and his free gift of salvation. And he says, In this new rhythm of life that the Lord has brought into us, we see reasons to be grateful and reasons to rejoice in the Lord uh, because of the opportunities this has opened up to share Christ with these people. My goodness. Well, thank you. Thank you for those two stories as well and just for what you're doing. And, And I'm glad that we got to really educate some people today about mm-hmm. other parts of the country because you, we still are functioning well enough to simply just be able to complain and commiserate, yeah. <laughs> you know, which yeah. is, you know, and so this gives us an opportunity to actually 
put the love of Christ into action and do something that oh, can truly support, first of all, just their their uh, lifestyle and their mm-hmm. and, and their ability to thrive, and then on top of the fact, more importantly than that, their eternal salvation. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. I just want to make a quick comment about okay. that. I've worked with a lot of different ministries, and I've, I've helped to raise money for a lot of um, disaster-type um, events, whether it be earthquakes or tsunamis or, or people in the war zone. But in, in, in this situation, we, us, this country, having gone through this, I think people are going to have a lot more empathy for what people are going through. Yes. Yeah. In, countries, in the countries that we're working well, with. Well, t- I'm sorry that we are done with this segment, but thank you so much, Michael, for being with us, and I hope that this encourages listeners to really reach out and help with this project. So thank you again for joining us. Thank you very much. Well, welcome back. I'm Cynthia Hyatt, and you are listening to Conversations with Cynthia. Thank you for joining me today. And if you are just tuning in, I want to make sure that you can listen to the show in its entirety, because in the first segment, we had a really special person on, Michael Johnson from the Slavic Ministries. And he talked about what's going on in all those countries over in Ukraine and Eastern Europe and the needs that those people have, and what God is doing for them in the midst of this horrible virus that we have that we're all fighting. So um, I really want to encourage you, if if God lays that on your heart, $10 a month does feeds an entire family. So make sure that you check out uh, my website, and you can find him as well. So we are talking today more about this whole idea of needing help, that this, this, this particular time offers us the opportunity to really help others. And you and I both know that um, helping others is many times very, very rewarding. And so it's much easier to help others than to help ourselves, isn't it? So many times we want to remind people of that great analogy that says, you know, when, when people are worried about drowning, you want to make sure you put the life vest on first, as well as when the plane's going down, you get the air mask on first so you can actually take care of others. So how do I know when I need help? And am I willing to accept that help? So I love this quote by Billy Graham. He says, the Christian life is not a constant high. I have many moments of deep discouragement I have to go to God in prayer with tears in my eyes and say, Oh, God, forgive me. Or, Oh, God, help me. So we have James chapter 516. And I'm going to read you this chapter. You know, it's really quite amazing. It says, Therefore, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. So I've read that verse before and I've thought, yeah, the prayers of a righteous person, well, I don't always feel righteous. And so we have to remind ourselves that the power of our prayer isn't always in how perfect or good we are. It has more to do with how much we are letting Christ work through us. It's his righteousness. Because he's, he has perfect righteousness. 
And so it's, it's the power of Christ that is within us that causes us to be very powerful and effective. Now, I, I will tell you the truth, though. Certainly having a life that is honorable helps our prayers to be more powerful because we believe them more because we don't have shame. We're not sitting there going, how do I know how to pray for this person when I've got this going on in my life? And, you know, how dare I be, you know, receiving, you know, this type of forgiveness when I've got this going on and I shouldn't even be praying for them. So it really absolutely helps for us to be on top of our own life. But that never stops our prayers from being powerful, no matter how messed up our life is. And so this is why I think it's really important that you say, you know, how do I know when I need help and I shouldn't just do it for myself? Well, one of the first ways to know that you need the help is if it's enduring. So that means if whatever's going on with you is not just a one-time experience, that it continues to endure, and no matter what you have done, you have not been able to overcome it. That you, you've worked at it, you've tried, you've put money into it, you've asked help from people, and you still have this issue. That's when you know, okay, this is enduring. I probably really need some, some help, and not just help one time. You also know that you shouldn't do it yourself if it's dangerous. If, if what you're doing in your life is dangerous, that's imperative to reach out for help. If it's illegal, if it's um, immoral, unethical, if it's harmful or hurtful. See, these are the majors that tell us, wow, we, bet, we better not let the enemy shame us into trying to figure it out all by ourselves so that we don't have to tell someone. You know, how about if it's, it's just enduring and getting in the way of being who God has created me to be? Maybe it's not a super big sin or, or it's not in the illegal, immoral, unethical, dangerous, enduring columns. But maybe it just is this, you know, bad habit I have. Like, maybe I'm never on time. Maybe I struggle with lying. Like, not necessarily lying through gossip, but just not telling the whole truth because I'm afraid someone's going to get mad at me. And I've done that for a long time. What, what, if, what if it's that, you know, I just don't take care of myself. So I'm getting sick more often. Or, you know, my blood work from the doctor, you know, he's not happy with it because I'm not taking care of myself. I'm not exercising, eating right, getting enough sleep, whatever it is. Maybe, maybe I, you know, dabble with addictions and I get a handle on it and I quit for a while and then, you know, I start again. So these things, this is, this is how we know that, okay, God is saying, you know what, I'm still working through you, but I want to do more and I want you to enjoy it more. So this is how we always know if we need help. How much am I resisting help? The more I want to resist getting help, the more I probably need it. So why don't I ask for it? Well, I'm embarrassed, right? All of us do the shoulding ourselves to death, right? Should all over ourselves. When we, when we should be letting people step in and help us that love us. It's totally unproductive. It's very powerful and very paralyzing to just keep saying, I should know better. 
I should be able to overcome this. I should just stop, right? So we know the enemy wants to kill, steal, and destroy. And then he uses condemnation, right? If he can't kill us, steal from us, or destroy us, he condemns us, or he does all four of them. Because this is a great way to stop us from getting help, is when he tells us all those shoulds. Or he says, hey, what do you think they're going to think about you, right? <clears throat> How do you think they're going to handle it when you tell them that you struggle with this problem? Do you think they'll still love you? Will they still respect you? You know, once you say it, you can't take it back. Well, that's the enemy because he creates fear and condemnation. So we want to make sure that we are understanding all the things that get in the way of us really taking advantage of the help that's out there. And fear is a big, big one. And you know we've talked about the acronym for fear. And that's false evidence appearing real. That we're all afraid at some level to let people know who we are. And that comes from the fall of man. That's the first thing that Adam and Eve experienced when it came to negative feelings. Was shame. They wanted to hide from God because they knew they messed up when they should have run to him immediately. So we all struggle with that. We all struggle with what we should, could, would, ought to do, and if only then, right? So I want to encourage you to think about, what, what would my life be like if I actually stopped doing whatever this unproductive thing is? That's what I want you to look forward to. I don't want you to get stuck in the struggle of telling somebody I want you to think about the future without that problem. This is Cynthia Hyatt with Conversations with Cynthia. Join me in the next segment. So we talk about how do you know when you need help? I hear the whispers in my Welcome back. I'm Cynthia Hyatt, your host. And you are listening to Conversations with Cynthia. Thank you always for joining me. And we are talking about, probably this week and next week, about how do I know when I need help? And how do I go about doing that? How, you know, this whole idea of carrying our cross, are we going to let somebody help us with that? And so I'm going to read you this um, saying again by Billy Graham because I like it so much. He says, the Christian life is not a constant high. I have my moments of deep discouragement. I have to go to God in prayer with tears in my eyes and say, Oh God, forgive me or help me. I mean, this is Billy Graham, right? So we talked about that verse in James 5, 16, and it says, Therefore, confess your sins to each other. Pray for each other so you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. So the enemy loves to get us snagged on that word righteous, right? Who are we that we are righteous? Well, we have the righteousness of Christ. That's what he's talking about. That that's the breastplate of righteousness that allows us and gives us permission and tells us, orders us practically to pray for each other, that they may be healed, and that we allow ourselves to be prayed for. So we talked last last session, last um, I'm sorry, in the last segment, about why we don't ask for help. 
And we also talked about how do we know if we actually need help? Well, usually I'm just going to tell you the truth. If you resist getting help, you probably know you need it. If you wonder if you need help, you probably need it. Because, see, we don't consider, like, I don't consider when I walk out to my car, do I need help driving, right? I don't think about that. So if I'm even thinking about, do I need help with this? I probably do. I don't know what to what degree. But I don't want you to shy away from getting help. And so what are the things that, that kind of stop us from getting, in, in, getting the help that we need? Well, a lot of it is we think we caused it, right? So maybe we caused the problem. So it's that saying, you made your bed, you lie in it, right? Well, you know that's not scripture. So <laughs> you know that God is not the one that made that saying up. That's straight from the enemy. You made your bed, you lie in it. It's your fault. You deal with it. So when we think that we caused it, and even if we did, this can really get in the way of us wanting to get help. It's that embarrassment piece. It's that, that tendency to want to cover. And if you remind yourself that this is the first thing that happened with the fall of man, Adam and Eve had to cover themselves. And God said to them, why are you covering yourself? And they said, because we're afraid, we're ashamed. So this tendency to want to hide the, from the help that we need is very common to all men. And so just because we caused it, let's say we did cause the problem. Does that negate the need for help? No. So maybe we're embarrassed, like we shouldn't be having this kind of a problem. Maybe we're afraid that if we tell one person, everybody will find out. We're afraid of what they'll think of us. Maybe, interestingly enough, we like some of the problem, right? And this is what we have with addictions very frequently. There's a part of the problem that we enjoy doing. So we kind of want to try to see if we can manage the consequences so we don't have to stop doing what we enjoy. And so this is really, you know, important. What if the problem is because of someone else? Well, if someone did something to me, why would I not get help to recover from that? Sometimes we like our bondage, right? We get so used to it. feels like a friend. It kind of makes sense to us. It's our new normal, right? So think about for yourself, how much of this fits for me? All of us struggle. All of us fall short. All of us have to heal. All of us have something. So anyone that you look at at any given moment on any given day has problems. I tell people I've been a, a psychotherapist for 30 years going on my next decade right now. And that's a lot of people and a lot of lovely, wonderful, amazing people that were smart enough to get help. So think about what's getting in the way of me getting help. What am I hung up on? Am I hung up on, oh, I don't have enough money for it? Well, that might be another problem that you might want to talk to somebody about. You might want to say, 
Hey, here's the problem I need, but I have no finances to support the help that I think I need. Can you help me with that? So this is Cynthia High with Conversations with Cynthia. Join me in the next segment, the last segment, as we talk about how do I know I need help and what's stopping me? Well, welcome back. This is Cynthia Hyatt, and you are listening to Conversations with Cynthia. Thank you so much, always, for joining me, and I so appreciate your presence on on Facebook, on social media, and certainly any feedback that you give me. I really appreciate it. If you have a particular topic that I have not talked about that you would really, you really have some interest in, please make sure that you email me at CynthiaHyatt.com or CynthiaHyatt at gmail.com and just let me know and I'll see what I can do. So we are talking about this idea of how do I know I need help and what's getting in the way of me getting that help. So we talked about a couple of, of things. We talked about, you know, um, if it's enduring, if it's dangerous, if it's illegal, if it's immoral and ethical, if it's getting in the way of, of my enjoyment of my life, if, if it's causing me to, to feel less than, like I need to hide or I hope someone doesn't find out. These types of things help me to know, oh, this might be something I should probably bring out into the light. So why might I not ask for it? Well, I'm embarrassed. You know, I have all those shoulds. I shouldn't have this problem. I should be better. I should be stronger, should be a better Christian, whatever it is. And maybe we think we actually caused it. Well, maybe we did cause the problem that we're in. Does that mean we still don't need help? Maybe we're afraid of what people are going to think. And maybe we're embarrassed to have that type of a problem. Maybe the problem is somebody else and we don't know how to deal with that. And we don't even know if we're allowed to have those feelings about another person. So we need to go back to the faith and the wisdom of a child. See, children need to learn to be ashamed of asking for help. And sin causes this. Sin causes that immediate shame. Because as humans, we do know when we do something wrong. We might not know why we did it. We might not even know, wow, what the consequences actually are going to be. But we we all pretty well know when we've done something wrong. And so this is where we need to say, wow, I need to go straight to God. And if you think about that, you know, first chapter in Genesis, when it talks about Adam and Eve and God saying to them, you can do anything you want to do, anything your heart desires. Just don't eat from the tree of life. Don't eat that fruit. And that's the one thing they did, right? And so they were afraid. They didn't want to tell God. So they covered themselves because they found out they were naked. Well, have you ever seen when, if you have little children, when they start to figure out that they're naked? (laughs) So they all of a sudden, they say, Mommy, don't come in now. Or they shut the bathroom door. They stop running around the house naked. These types of things. They start to know they're naked. So this is where you want to go back to. There's a healthy kind of shame that we want people to have. And then there's unhealthy, of course, toxic shame. 
So healthy shame helps me to kind of pull back a little bit and get myself back in line. Healthy shame helps me to know if I've gone too far. Healthy shame helps me to stop. Toxic shame is, is, the, is a big difference. Toxic shame says, not only did you do something wrong, but you're a bad person. So it, it really assaults our character. It assaults our, our, our identity. So now we, we have gone past doing a bad thing to being a bad person. And the enemy loves that because the more you think that you are inherently bad, the more you will have to take care of that kind of pain. And usually that kind of pain management comes with bad behaviors. One of the ways we try to heal the pain is through a lot of negative behaviors. So asking for help, right, can be quite scary. But imagine if that unnamed man that helped Jesus carry his cross wasn't available or willing. Imagine if Jesus said, no, I'm God, I can do it on my own. I can do it myself. So don't rob yourself or others of either of those actions. Don't rob others of those life-changing, powerful experiences of helping someone or steal from you the, the actual feeling of being helped. And what that does for us as humans so asking for help, like I said, it really, you know, it can be scary, but it is really one of the bravest things you could ever do. So be a leader in your family, be a leader in your community, be a leader in your, in your friend group, or just be a leader for yourself. Ask for help. See, we only have one life. We only have one time to do this. So get what you need so you can actually live it. So you can live the life that God has afforded you and not squander it on being afraid and being ashamed. Don't look back and regret and letting your pride, you know, tell you something that, you, you know, the shoulda, coulda, woulda, if only then. And so don't lose something that's so beautiful and precious because you're afraid to ask for help. You're too embarrassed to address a need, a deficit, a wound. You're too embarrassed to address a problem. You know, what I, I say to myself, I say to others, you know, get over yourself. Get over it, right? Get over it and get on with it so you can enjoy life. So you can do the life that God has destined for you and not let the enemy continue to steal, kill, and destroy your life. And so I want you to enjoy the life God has for you and the people in your life, what you have to contribute to the people in your life. Have you ever noticed if you've got a problem that you're embarrassed about and you don't want to tell anybody, you're not very present for other people, right? You're preoccupied with yourself all the time. See, one of the things that's interesting about shame or embarrassment, you know, this, this idea that there's something bad that we're doing, is it causes us to be even more self-centered, which is another sin, right? <laughs> so the more bad behaviors we have or habits or whatever it is that we have that we are embarrassed to tell someone we need help with, the more those things take up so much emotional energy 
and, and intellectual space in our brain, and they take a ton of energy to manage, that we have less to give people. We become more and more self-centered. So you want to get over yourself because it doesn't just affect you. See, I, I wish that we could all kind of what we call localize our problems to just us. Like, I, I wish that any problem that I had could just kind of be localized. You know, it's kind of like a wound that doesn't spread. But see, shame is a virus, okay? It goes everywhere. And this is why you want to understand it's not just affecting me. It's affecting others. And so this is why you want to understand that even if you don't know the specific problem, like let's say that, that um, your toe hurts. Maybe you don't know why it hurts. But even if you don't know why it hurts, you need to find out because eventually the rest of your body is not going to function well. Have you ever had like a, a blister on your, on your foot, on your heel? It affects your whole body right? So you have a problem that you don't want to heal. It's affecting the rest of the body. Not only yours, but everybody else in your life. So we want to get over it, okay? And getting help really stops the problem from compounding itself. And this is why I want you to think about like just the job that I do as a therapist, I'm usually the last option, okay? I wish I sometimes was the first option, but I'm usually the last option because nobody really wants to go get therapy necessarily. And so we have to really understand that we have rainy days. And Henry Wadsworth Longfellow, he wrote this great little poem, and it's from the rainy day, and it says, Thy fate is the common fate of all. Into each life some rain must fall. Some days must be dark and dreary. Oh, and so this is, it's, it's wonderfully insightful. Life down here is hard and you live in a fallen world and you live in a fallen body. So see, God got over all this. He got over it when Adam and Eve fell and he already then started making a plan. And Jesus was the best help we've ever had. So if you're experiencing any of these things, distress, okay? You might be struggling with sadness, anxiety, fear, anger, hurt, shame, right? Something about your past you can't get, get, get past. You might have trouble concentrating or sleeping, remembering things, or you just not even feeling motivated. That kind of distress, I want you to get some help. Because you want to be able to talk to somebody, and sometimes just talking out loud to another person is so revealing to you. When I talk out loud to people, I go, wow, now I know what I'm feeling. Now I know what's bugging me. So many times, it's just necessary to have a compassionate witness in our life to help us even figure out what the problem is. So if you have a specific problem, let's say you're experiencing emotional problems, behavioral problems that impact your life, well, this is time to really consider getting a life coach, therapist, 
spiritual guide, like what, you know, somebody from your church that's willing to sit and pray with you and hold you accountable, these types of things. Just let someone else in. These things are like addictive or compulsive behaviors, drug and alcohol addiction, emotional eating, compulsive shopping or gambling. These types of things, this you want to really seek out professional help of some kind. And it doesn't always have to be a licensed professional. What if you've had a traumatic event? If you have a traumatic event in your past and you're, mo- you're having trouble moving forward, like let's say you experienced a crime, a, a really bad accident, an illness, a heart attack. What if you had some family of origin issues? Or there are some really painful things that happened in your family when you were growing up. I would like to say that we grow out of these things, but actually what we do is grow around those things. We don't grow out of them. We grow around them. And so sometimes they still keep getting in the way. It's like a trick knee or something, right? It's like an ongoing just virus. Like I just never feel quite good. How about relational problems? See, in the end, choosing And making that decision for your benefit so honors you, honors God, and really upsets the enemy of your soul. So if you're unhappy or dissatisfied with your life, I want you to consider getting some help. And why don't you think about this? If you're having trouble getting some help, Why don't you talk to somebody about having, needing help, getting help. Sometimes if we break down the problem into really small pieces, it's more manageable. So what if you just talk to somebody? You could talk to them in in a roundabout way and say, hey, you know, have you ever like heard of anybody getting therapy or do you know anyone that's done that? Or have you ever done that? Anything that you can do to start the conversation that says, I think I might need some help. Because think about Jesus. Simon of Cyrene is the one that helped him carry that cross so that he could complete his ministry. So imagine if Jesus had too much pride and said, no, I need to do it myself. You're in good company when you ask for help. This is Cynthia Hyatt with Conversations with Cynthia. Thank you so much for joining me today. I love all the comments that you make, and you can certainly email me at CynthiaHyde at gmail.com if you have comments or if you have any ideas for a show that you would like me to do, or if you need a speaker for any of your events, I would love to do that for you. So have a blessed week. To hear today's program again or to share it with someone else, please go to CynthiaHyatt.com. That's C-I-N-T-H-I-A-H-I-E-T-T dot com. Follow Cynthia on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, LinkedIn, and iTunes. Until next time, remember, be your own best version.